Hey, welcome to Unlocking Innovation. My name is Kevin Rhodes, and this is where I help leaders innovate by design. I want to share with you a story that drastically shaped the trajectory of my life. And this goes back to either 1989 or 1990, right around in there. Disney World had just opened a magnificent new theme park, MGM Studios, which it's, it's now Hollywood Studios. Now, I have been to Disney World several times from a youngster even to a, a grown adult with my own kids. And, but there is one attraction that still is one of the highlights for me in my experience with Disney World, and that is the magic of Disney animation. It's no longer attraction, but it was a highlight of this new park, the MGM Studios. And I'll never forget going through that that attraction with my dad. My dad took me and we went through it together. We saw the uh, Robin Williams get transformed into a character for Peter Pan. And we got to see animation animators at work doing what they do day in and day out. And it was an absolute thrill to me and extremely memorable because my entire childhood, I was, my, my ambitions were to become a Disney animator, that that would be the absolute best job in the world. And I, my folks had bought me these oversized books from the craft store that uh, explained how to do animation. And as a youngster, those were the only books that I read. I would scour through them page by page, recreating the animation sequences uh, that they, you know, in those tutorials. And of course, this was the uh, probably the mid, mid to late 80s. And there was no internet. You weren't Googling or watching YouTube videos on how to do this stuff. But as a, as a young kid, this is what I absolutely wanted to do. So going to see this brand new attraction at this brand new theme park was an absolute blast. It's something I was just so interested in and desperately wanted to experience. So we went and it was a uh, beautiful uh, late summer day. And as, as you can imagine in Disney World, in Orlando, in, in Florida, it's hot out, it's sunny out, but there's nothing that's going to squash that experience of, of being at this park, being at this attraction. It was a quite literally a dream come true. So we go through the attraction and uh, we we get we get done and my dad asked one of the cast members, uh, the employees that's what they call employees at Disney World, uh, asked one of the cast members, hey, what would it take for my son? I'm probably 12, 13 years old at the time uh, to become a Disney animator. Well, the the cast member didn't know for sure what would, what that would entail, so they went into the studio where the animators were and asked some questions. And a young man came out, and I don't know who this young man is. I like to think that it was one of the Bancroft brothers, so two of my animator heroes. They were brand new to their career at that time, working actually in Disney, at Disney World uh, at that studio at the time. I like to think that it was one of them, but I, who knows if it was or not. Anyways, this young man came out and explained to my dad basically what it would take to become an animator. And he brought with him a binder full of all of that information. And he gave it to me as a 12, 13 year old. And I remember holding that thing. If memory serves me right, it was this rich navy blue and it might've even had like an embossed 
a Disney World logo or something on it or a Disney logo. And I remember thumbing through that, that binder, and it was full of what looked to me like legalese forms, like something a lawyer would would be required would require me to sign in order to get started. It was a lot of fine print. It was a lot of forms to fill out. I saw lots of places where I needed to sign and you know to to provide my signature. And it was full of language that was unfamiliar to me. I didn't have any language at all for the animation animation industry. Uh, so it was full of what what struck me as legal terms and industry terms. And it to me, in that moment, felt like a giant moat around the Disney animation world. And that's the day that I say that Disney dashed my dreams of becoming an animator. I looked at that pile of, of paper and all of those legal forms and thought to myself, there's no way that I'll ever become an animator. This is, this is, I'm 12, 13 years old. This is not at all like something that I'm capable of doing. And that moment uh, like is seared in my brain as a, like a, a pivotal moment where I decided that this is, this is, I'm not capable of, of crossing these hurdles. I kept that binder for a couple of years with thumb through it every once in a while, uh, just again, intimidated by all of the paperwork. And finally, somewhere in high school, I finally decided to throw it away. It was just, it was, I threw it away out of this, like just frustration of this, this reminder that, hey, you're never going to get to that spot. So that was the day that Disney dashed my dreams of becoming the animator. But that's not the point of this story. So what I want to laser in on is what can, what have I learned through that experience now, 30 some years later, that can shape the way that I think about the customer experience when I think about, in their language, the guest experience. And what are some things that I can do to make sure that I deliver the kind of experience that keeps people moving forward in a positive direction? So those are the things that I want to share with you. And they're going to be pulled out of this little story, this memory that I have from MGM Studios and the magic of Disney animation. The first thing is to know your customers. This seems pretty obvious. And we've got lots of systems in place for knowing customers. We've got lots of data coming in telling us who our customers are and what type of customers uh, we can expect in different uh, areas either within our uh, offering. Well, what, I, what strikes me in this moment of knowing your customer is there is the kind of information that data can tell you and the kind of information that can help inform what the ideal customer is and even who the ideal customer is not. All of that data is meaningless when you are face-to-face -face with a real human being. You can use it as a starting point to inform your interactions, but you have to take an immediate assessment of who you're dealing with or who you're trying to serve in order to adequately serve them. Now, I'm sure there's nothing at that time I mean, this, this is a brand new interaction. I'm sure there's nothing in that at that time as far as a, a, uh, a cast member playbook on what to do if a young teenager wants to know how to become an animator. So there's, there was probably loads of HR information, obviously, because there was a, a book 
basically a binder full of of information for someone who was a viable candidate or who was actively on that career path of becoming an animator. But there probably wasn't much of a playbook for what to do with someone who is who is so f- early in their journey that uh, there's nothing at all that HR can provide for them at, at, at that moment. So there's nothing in, in that world where data could inform how this young cast member dealt with a guest in that particular situation. So know your customer and, and and data can't tell you everything about every type of customer. You have to be in the moment with a real human being and make some in the moment judgments. And that leads me to the second insight is that there are times where you need to go off script. Sometimes there is no script and you're just forced to go off script. And this was definitely one of those moments where you're looking at a 12, 13 year old kid. Uh, there's nothing at all in this pile of HR paperwork that is applicable to this kid. It's time to go off script. That's when as leaders, you need to empower your team to go off script, to have some personal agency to solve a very specific problem that isn't defined in the playbook. But going off script, of course, that can be really scary. So use the information that you get through persona development. Use the information that you get through your CX uh, tooling to inform a baseline of where you might step forward. But what what do you do in those moments where you're just forced to go off script and that data is not, not all that helpful? The first thing you can do, of course, is to step into empathy. Ask some questions. Try to get to know this individual to some degree that you can begin to help solve some aspect of the problem that they're facing. And in those kind of customer experience moments where you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a lot of context and there's not a, there's not a whole lot of information to really inform how to be empathetic. And of course, so ask a few questions, but in those moments, you can step into their shoes and try to experience their world through your lens. And that's very different than stepping into their shoes and trying to understand their world from their lens. There are moments, however, where you don't have all of the time and space and context to get a good understanding of, of who that customer is and how to solve their needs specifically. So one shortcut to getting a more palatable or reasonable solution is to think about what would I want if I were that person? It is, again, not the same as imagining what they would want if they were that person, but you can easily imagine in those time-sensitive crunch situations, the kinds of experience that you would want in that situation. So step into those. So this brings me to the third insight that I, that is pulled out of this exchange in this hot summer day within MGM Studios outside of this attraction. And that is inspire and be optimistic about the solution. So this, so for example, this young man that came out of the, the studio to help me figure out what it would be like or what it, what I need in order to be a Disney animator. He may not have all of the answers for me, especially for a 12 or 13 year old. He probably is not well equipped, um, but you can leave hope for the individual. And quite often that, that notion of leaving hope or instilling hope that there is a resolution down the road, that there is a desirable outcome. If you point your compass in a certain direction, 
that can drastically change the customer experience in that moment. Even though you've not necessarily solved anything specifically for them, you've pointed them in a direction that leads them to the sense of hope. Practically speaking, the way that that I look for opportunities to to inject hope into those kind of situations where I don't have the answers, I can't necessarily solve this, and, and that is to help the person that I'm serving avoid a dead end. So the the dead end of, of like of in a situation where hey I can't I can't help you anymore um, my hands are tied I don't know what else to do kind of this like throw your hands up I don't there, there's nothing else I can do here those situations lead, like they undermine hope in this particular situation one way to instill hope by providing a by helping avoid a dead end would be to admit I, I can't help you in this particular situation but if you draw every day and if you just continue to throw yourself into the love of drawing and the love of animating, uh, that will lead you to, you know, getting into a school that, that can help you sharpen your animation skills. And once you're down that path, they, there will be a army of people helping you find a career. There's nothing in, in that situation where Disney could have helped, but by helping me see a path forward and not a dead end, that would have drastically shaped the, that exchange and the, the, that likely the trajectory of my entire career. But that's not the point. The point is, know your customer uh, and know what the data tells you, but know that that is not the whole human experience and that you often have to Number two, go off script. When you go off script, step into their shoes as best as you can, but also lean into your own experience and what you would want in those time-sensitive, critical situations where you don't have time and uh, you, you don't have the context to fully understand what this, this individual might need. And the third, avoid the dead end. Inspire by giving hope. And one of the most practical ways you can do that is to help someone avoid a dead end. Hopefully there's some good insights in there that you can use in your organization as you interact with those that you're trying to serve and delivering new customer value. And this has not at all diminished my opinion or view of Disney or Disney World. Uh, I still hold them in absolute high regard in all things customer experience. But what I like about this particular story is that here is an organization that it gets high marks on customer service across the board. They're the, the, the leaders in, in guest experience or customer experience. And we look to them as models. But not everybody has it figured out all the time. And in there, when there's these windows of, of where we don't have it figured out, there are such rich learning opportunities. So I thought I'd just share what I have learned through reflecting on this exchange from 30 plus years ago and in hopes that there are some insights in there that you can take and apply to your organization. Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified of when new episodes come out. And I look forward to sharing these kinds of stories and insights so that leaders, so that you can unlock innovation in your organization.